This week on the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. So yeah, I'm on board naked, naked train, naked rebel trooper train. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a podcast focused on tactics and competitive play for Star Wars Legion. Hosted by Kyle Dornboss, Michael Barry, and David Zelenka, with Jay Shalansky, the man behind the glass. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and also Evan. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Awesome. Fantastic. So this is this is the illustrious um, Evan from the Fifth Trooper, Evan, our our, our brother podcast. Um, Ooh. You're you're on here because you did a thing in Canada with some clones, which we're going to talk about. Uh, in I a did few a minutes thing. Here. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like it could be all sorts of not great stuff thing in Canada <laughs> with, with clones. Hey, I man. hear their healthcare is better. <laughs> it is. Three hours deep, man. You don't know what I did. Uh, all right. You're at um, some like doomsday prepper farmhouse anyway. So. Oh my gosh. God only knows. <laughs> so good. With an actual, with an actual rodent in in-house is that accurate okay yeah so it was gonna be at the hooded goblin um the renovations uh ended up being super delayed so they one of the people who works there i think uh knows the people at this horse ranch so i get the new invites who are driving and i'm thinking uh oh we'll just get a coffee or something by the place it's got to be near town it is not it was in the middle of like deep tundra but uh <laughs> On the plus side, so I drove up, and they had a couple uh, ropes across the road, and I'm thinking, is this a place? So I'm, you know, looking around, I don't see, I see people getting out to ride horses. Then like a herd of horses runs by through the ropes to the other side of the road, and I'm like, this cannot be the right place. Uh, and turns out a guy waves me over, it's like, hey, you here for the Legion event? And uh, so it turns out I was the right spot. Uh, we get in there into this like, um, it does kind of look like a fallout shelter. A little bit, uh, but actually ended up being super nice inside. Uh, but it's also super country. So there was at one point there were baby possums climbing on people's bags, and uh, someone shouts like, "Oh God, possum!" And like when the owner's like, "Yeah, man, just grab them and throw them out if you don't want them on your stuff." They're kind of like house pets. Uh, so honestly, uh, it was probably the most Canadian thing I've ever seen. Uh, but it also was a super good time. Um, how many people were there? Uh, twenty six. That's a good turnout for this. Was a this was a prime championship? Uh, RPQ. RPQ. Okay. So not the fancy new kit with the Luke and Vader cards and stuff. Yet. No, no. I I uh, desperately wanted it to be that, but it was uh, the RPQ kit. Um, they had originally I think like thirty signed, but they had a few fallouts, so they were gonna have a pretty decent turnout if everyone showed up. That might actually be the largest RPQ I've heard of. Yeah, and honestly, it was only like um, it was uh, a couple of like Luke Cook and Chris Cook came up um, and they brought uh, two or three folks from Buffalo with them. So and myself and my friend Connor. So it was only like five or six of us from the U.S. Uh, so it wasn't like we, you know, took a bus up there to go there. So it wasn't it wasn't too big of a uh, uh, an impulse. They have a big Legion community there. Hmm. So what you're saying is have your tournaments at horse ranches 
high attendance will follow <laughs> too legit like uh they had a bathroom like an outhouse kind of thing it wasn't it was actually very nice but you had to like walk outside the building to go to it so i kind of got lost the first time i went looking for it and ended up down by the horses again uh but hey i got to see horses that was pretty cool yeah <laughs> it's, it's actually sounds to, like grasp this and uh, it's not <laughs> it's not happening i'm like i, I would have turned around i don't know <laughs> no man it's actually uh uh like i came from um i used to own a horse back when we were younger well i didn't my folks did and uh so it's kind of cool to get to see him again and i spent a lot of time around farm so it, to me it wasn't really like a thing uh to uh some other folks there uh maybe but honestly got in there they had a cold kitchen they were just cooking food out of uh for lunch uh so it was actually like they had drinks all around they're walking around like hey do you want a soda do you want a water what do you you know what do you need uh it was pretty cool man like uh the, from outside looking in it looked a little weird but once you got there they threw a really solid event um so what did you what did you bring what kind of list i brought uh uh grand republic i brought some clones i took uh it was ob and rex in six cores and i ended up going four with them so i think that so first of all, that's impressive because I think you're the first person to actually get an invite with clones. That, that'd make me super jazzed. All this time of uh, all my grousing about how I play them and I can't win a game with them. And then Rex comes out and then I just go in cold with them and it turns out really well. So let's Rex talk about... Key. Yeah, let's talk about Rex real quick because he was out just uh, a few days ago on Friday, right? <laughs> yeah, we actually... Uh, my, my buddy Connor picked us up each one and we built them in the hotel the night before and, uh, got them on the table. Uh, so it was my first run was Rex was at this tournament. Um, my big, the big play was, uh, put scout, uh, Intel, uh, recon Intel on him, scout him up two with two, uh, Z six squads and then take a, uh, like a middle point of the board that was going to have high traffic or a choke point and just make it really miserable to try to get through. Do you want to talk about like how you use his command cards and, and such? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. So um, my list was uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi with uh, aggressive tactics and force reflexes. Uh, Rex with uh, strict orders, recon intel. Uh, two Z6 squads with the extra trooper, the fifth trooper. Uh, and then fours with the DC th uh, 15s. And so what I would do is my main plan was take the two Z6 and Rex scout them toward an objective or a choke point and have OB with the rest of the guys kind of come up the back. Um, really what I would do is I'd scout up and I'd measure ranges. And if it looked like a good time, uh, turn one, I'd probably play uh, take that clankers to get that range for like barrage. Because um, Rex would have uh, a name on him that he can share because he's a clone trooper. So you would take a name with your Z6 and then get that extra range boost when you fired. And then you have another... Uh, Aim you could pull off Rex to get some extra damage, or uh, in one example, uh, he we had advanced positions where you get the the scout, and uh, I saw the Tauntauns coming, so I did uh, call me captain. There's one pip, I think that's right. I probably got the name wrong, where he gets to fire support indefinitely, uh, and so he got like five or six shots off just my Z sixes and my DCs, just letting Rex get some extra three dice in there. So he was really like the key. And then uh, I only really lost him in one game. Um, I actually got to attack with Obi, and that's never really happened before because normally he dies before I get to a fight. So that felt pretty good. Uh, playing Jedi, turns out that's pretty good. 
didn't really think uh <laughs> didn't really know that that's, uh, you know uh all of uh endless's uh loop runs i'd watch and be very envious of i'm like wow that's what it's like to actually like do something with luke now i can kind of feel that power i get it now uh, thank you <laughs> i understand <laughs> Yeah, man, he's a he's a beast, but Obi is too. Obi's like super Luke. He's a he's pretty amazing. Yeah, he's um. He, I used him to keep Rex alive, uh, because once he got out there, Rex would be a target, and so I would do whatever I can to try to keep him alive. Um, the really nice card actually, which came in clutch, even his three pip. All of Rex's cards are great. His three pip uh, were not programmed, where he gets inspired too, and he recovers when he activates. Plus, handing out four uh, four orders. So if you get, if they keep hitting you with mortars or Bosk or something to try to suppress them out, he clears it and he can more or less clear one off another group too when he, when he rallies. So Rex is a beast, man. Uh, he's really good. Did you use Obi-Wan to curtail sniper fire? I actually only ran to one list with snipers. Uh, most of it was uh, mortars and shores. Uh, but yeah, the one match with snipers, I did. Um, it always feels bad when you're pulling one off and then you just roll blank, so he's just taking a damage. Uh, but anything I could do just to keep Rex alive, because he's, as much as I'm touting him, uh, like, you know, three good sniper shots or one good lightsaber swing, and he just goes down. So that he really needs Obi to try to keep him in the battlefield, to at least get all of his cards played. And then, hopefully by then, you've swung something. So uh, if he dies, it's not the end of the world. Did you feel like eight activations was a problem for you? I honestly like the games I came up with. Um, most of them were ten. One was eleven. Oh, uh, and yes, actually, it did stink because after a while, I just watched someone play the game. So if I did a fire support to remove a unit or to really try to put some damage in, um, I think one game I I double fired support off Rex's gunslinger with the two Z six squads to try to get that crit to hit. Uh, so one shot one in a whole Z6 squad crit to hit. Then he shot the other target and the other Z the next Z6 squad crit to hit. And then like so that's three activations down. And after that, I just kind of watched the other guy play for like four activations. Um, it feels bad, but if you can make that support fire really mean something uh, and remove a unit, that that kind of makes up for it. But it it does feel bad when you just like you're done and you realize oh, Bosk. Uh, you know, Veers, two storms haven't gone yet. Now, what are they going to do that I can't really react to until next turn? Well, nonetheless, it sounds like you did a good job playing around that limitation. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, um, it was just like I just, when you play eight activation clones, uh, from my experience anyway, you just really got to play the objective. Uh, like, whatever the, uh, you know, they start, they'll start killing you heavy, uh, but you just got to run and just, really just play the objective take turns where you're just moving guys out of line of sight where you're not taking a shot uh anything you can do just to keep try to get the points in your favor but yeah it's just i look at the cards uh i got breakthrough not not breakthrough i'm sorry uh to recover the supplies and two intercept transmissions um and just anything i could do just to make sure i won those it's it actually is a pretty powerful feeling to take rex and two guys up to like a key position uh or intercept right in the middle and just make it like real miserable for them to try to get up there. Um, what was the, uh, so you played four rounds over the course of the day. Were there any issues with time or anything like that? Uh, no, actually they just did a, uh, hard dice down after the two hours. 
Um, all of my games ended with like half an hour, an hour to spare. Uh, they were when they when the combat happened, it was very quick and bloody. Uh, I had one guy move a eweb up, uh, no aims. I'm like, well, he had a full shot on a group of clones. I'm like, no big deal. Six hits, six blanks, one clone squad gone. Um, that made me very sad. But that's all my games are like really high, high intensity. And most of my games, I had like 45 minutes to spare. Like we just played real quick. Wow. Cool. Um, you got any like uh, bits of general advice for other clone players out there and specifically those looking to use Rex? Uh, yeah. Um, try to make little cool scout teams with Rex. Uh, like when the shotguns come out, or I'm sorry, uh, I keep calling them that the the new clone weapon that's two black and a white with Pierce one TP twenty three. Yeah, uh, when that comes out, I'll be switching the Z six for those uh, because I think a take that clanker range three shot with uh, Rex uh, might be pretty pretty sick. Uh, make a scouting party. Um, I really like that, and then have Obi come up with whatever kind of gun arrangement you want. Um, really. Try like get aggressive with Rex, uh, but if you see like an open lane, just don't don't go down that. I know it sounds counterproductive from what I'm saying, but try to get into the fight so Rex can really get those. Uh, uh, get a try to make a clutch turn for his infinite fire support turn, so that you can almost use him every shot. I think one game I got like six fire support shots off with him, and that was nuts. Like the value off that. But another game I had him die in like three shots. So I only got to play two of his cards. Um, just keep trying uh eventually you know we'll get the 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 unit packs and the tank and all that good stuff uh but right now it's just experimenting i mean i took this kind of because i thought it was okay but uh you know i'm kind of still playing around with barks uh maybe a few barks and some clones and uh when the phase twos comes out one of those might be fun i don't know but it's uh just keep trying different stuff what i did worked for me uh but maybe like z6 is better and use those for more points um, but just experiment with them because right now it's kind of fun because there's no like set like this is a good list yet. So anything you do could be good. Which commander did you put aggressive tactics on? I gotta know. <laughs> so I did Obi and I kind of regretted it. Uh, I thought it was going to be good uh, because when I, in my mind, when I had to do his one pip, let's say I was out in the middle of uh, like my area, if I had to get like, a, a move in or I had to win an activation, I'm like, well, at least you'll get a. Um, at least you'll get a surge. Uh, or if I only had two units around him when I did his hello there, um, I could get a surge plus a standby and a dodge. Um, but I really think the the better one is to put it on Rex. Uh, so when you do that, we're not programmed uh, or even pretty much anything he's got. Um, it, it really benefits him more. So if I play the list again, I'm going to switch that. Uh, but yeah, it was a, I thought about it and I was actually playing it like middle of the tournament. I'm like, I've made a mistake. But, you know, you can't, you can't switch, so you just got to kind of ride it out. Um, and just one point of clarification to untank that, Clankers. Uh, it sounds like this is what you're doing, but this is a pretty common rules question as far as, like, the difference between having and spending a name token. Um, oh, yeah, so you have to take the aim, right? You can't grab it off a clone. Yeah, you have to actually take an aim action with the yeah. unit that you want to extend range on. Yeah, my buddy Connor was playing clones, well, and uh, a guy played, he played Take That Clankers, and in response, the other guy had played uh, Annihilation Looms, so he couldn't take the aim to get the bonus uh, range off of it, right? There's also some, like, workarounds, like, you can give your, somebody, like, Electro Binoculars, um, 
and you can kind of like gain additional aims that way so you can like move aim you can move and shoot with the extended range yeah. bubble um right. because you already have or like rex uh, has a built-in workaround with tactical well rex himself does oh, yeah. yeah what's up yeah right but the or other... even um yeah. that new uh add-on trooper who gives you the fr uh free action to take a dodge or aim you could use him just to pop before he shot in case you're suppressed um yeah the specialist clone specialist yeah yep yeah so it's you don't have to actually like there are ways besides taking an aim action to get it but the unit that is extending their range has to themselves have an aim token they can't spend it from a nearby uh nearby clone unit so yeah that's how i read it and that's how i played it mm -hmm. um you know it gets confusing because all the clone sharing you know shenanigans it seems like you should be able to do it the other way but uh i'd rather be wrong but play it fair than play it wrong and then win if that makes sense yeah totally um it's also notable that you don't actually have to spend the aim token to gain the effect i'm pretty sure um yep. so like if you have an aim token and you're like <clears throat> you're, you're the unit that's like eating standbys you can like extend your range each time you fire standby technically um oh okay that's a little bit of a little bit of a corner case but well that's good won't be a corner case when phase twos come out yeah it won't be it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be hot it's gonna be yeah um all right cool well um let's talk let's move on real quick ever so briefly to invader leak uh so um we are in the throes of eliminations i managed to not get eliminated my first match <laughs> Well done. Yeah. Good job. Um, so my Jedi Luke experiment survives another day. Uh, yeah, he like straight up put the game on his back. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think I think David asked me after the game, what's it feel like to be running 800 points of Luke? Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much what it felt <laughs> like. My, uh, I am, I think, I think after that game, I'm on board the naked rebel trooper uh, train. <laughs> Yeah. Um, my Z6s didn't like die but they also didn't do anything <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I was I mean at least you weren't playing 800 points of tauntauns right? like, that's yeah, true I mean, yeah um, I mean I, at so, least there's that right I was I was up against a uh, shore gun line and um, yeah Z6s just don't damage three up saves which is you know red with surge uh, which was like everything that the other guy had because of aggressive tactics um so I think my snipers and Luke got probably ninety percent of the kills. So yep. yeah, I'm on board naked, naked dream, naked rebel. Yeah, Pierce is Pierce is good, man. <laughs> like no doubt. Um, I almost would have at least in that specific game. Now, now that map uh, tattooing was was a little like more dense on line of sight blockers. I almost would have rather had like fleets than the the Z6 rebel troopers. Blasphemy. He's speaking. He's speaking straight. Blasphemy. I do love me some fleets, so I'd love to see that. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. too bad you can't put the new um, captain in a fleet unit. Uh, oh, man. Why not? Make them real playable. Because you can't. Uh, it doesn't say Rebel Trooper only. I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Here, let's. Okay, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm smoking something. I don't know. All right, are we talking about the specialists? Yeah, 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 yeah. Already, yeah, but yeah. They're 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 specialists for like rebel troopers and stormtroopers. Like it's a rebel trooper special. Yeah, it's not for fleets. Yeah. 
special. All right, spec. all right. Yeah. I, uh, you're right. All right, my bad. You're stuck with an officer. I, I know I'm right. I'm always right. <laughs> That's how it works. Uh, all right, you're right. Yes, it is rebel trooper only. I'm I'm sad. I think you probably still just want an officer anyway. Um, yeah, that's set up, but yeah. Um, Who's got time for that though? When tauntauns are ninety points, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I love I love it. Like like the Z if the Z six falls off, like the number of viable rebel units like shrank from like four to three. Like, well, yeah, it's <laughs> like, like I'm like I wish. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's an overstatement, but you know. <laughs> We've lost it. We've lost the stalwart, is what I'm saying. Our faction has. The, the real question is: Is gaining operative Luke actually a plus one in that degree? Because like you can't take both Lukes on the same list. It's a plus one because we have to take an officer as a tax for playing operative Luke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's something... yeah, the rebel officer's not viable because the rules say you have to take one. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was crappy. He did also nothing. Uh, he killed one. He killed one short trooper actually. Um, at the very no, no, he, yeah. I saw you shoot with him. I saw. I was like, "What is he doing?" Well, I mean, the game was pretty much over at that point. It was garbage time. No. Um, but uh, yeah, he did kill something actually, quite to my surprise. But he did literally nothing else the rest of the game. It always feels good when when it actually kills something. You're like, "Yes, points, you know, value achieved." <laughs> I mean, technically, he eliminated an 84 point activation, so you know. There you go, man. Paid for himself. I think Luke killed the other four guys, know. but <laughs> yeah. Once Luke is stuck in there, you almost want the officer to die so you can have a courage. For right. Him. I was thinking to myself, please, please snipe my officer in the open. I dare you, <laughs> because then I'll never panic. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Jedi Luke is good. Um, yeah. Also, the emplacement withdrawal rules are kind of silly, and uh, yes, they are. I did abuse them. <laughs> No, 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 no. First of all, that was not the silliest thing that happened in this game. And I would encourage our viewers to go back and watch the tape. But the silliest thing that happened in the game, and it took me a little bit to figure out what the hell happened, was you scaled up a ladder and then jumped off of scale. Yep. Which is like, oh, yeah, it's that, like not, what? not supposed to be a thing. What? But like what? The, the house... Well, the, the the house rules for Invader allowed it to happen, and I was like, I took like one look at it. I like, I really had to think about it because we had like the audio turned off, and I was like, uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's absurd. Shouldn't be a thing, ever. I think I probably could have ended up in the same area without the skill, but I thought it was cool. <laughs> I mean, sure. I just like. Uh, that a, is a rules interaction that shouldn't be a thing. A scale one move into a jump, the next move is pretty amazing. I gotta say that much. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, uh, not a fan. I mean, understood. <laughs> yeah, they're the only unit right now is Grievous with scale, and he doesn't have jump. So, unless you're doing what we're doing, which is calling ladders, giving you scale, that's not even a thing that's possible. But it is. It is legal rules as written because scale gives you a move action, and you can jump off a move action. So. Oh. I'm not. I'm not saying it would be illegal. I'm just saying that uh, we might want to revisit those. <laughs> I I enjoyed having a Jedi Luke with both jump and scale. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Enough about yeah. that game. Um, <laughs> we we also have an interview, which we're going to hit here in a minute with uh, the illustrious Brendan Franz who runs pretty much every major Legion event um, and just got finished running war for a weekend. So 
why don't we go ahead and jump into that? And we're back with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Brennan France. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Uh, myth and let I, you can't be talking about me, but um, I'll take it. <laughs> if you had to pick one, would you prefer to be a myth or a legend? Ooh, uh, I used to have a really good quote about this, but uh, I don't have it. So let's go with legend. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, I guess a myth would imply that you're not real, right? So I think it'd be better right. to be a legend. Yeah. Yeah. But then whatever you did like actually happened and if it was like terrible, you know, I don't know. Anyways. Um, so you were uh TON Warfare Weekend. Yep. Uh, another one in my in my belt and uh it was a good time, man. I really, really wish we could have seen you there, but uh uh we had twenty three people, which was not the numbers we were looking for, but um honestly I don't think it detracted from the event. Uh we had I mean, honestly, it might be one of the most event, most fun I've had, uh, save, you know, like an event in, in Syracuse there back at Northeast Open. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's the usual, uh, the usual faces, couple of new ones. Um, and it was just real personal. We had a really, really good location. The, the con itself was a lot of fun. So, um, you know, despite the size, I think, I don't think anybody really left disappointed. No, it sounded like everybody had a great time, frankly, from everybody I've talked to, which is awesome. I actually regret not going a bit, but I unfortunately had some stuff I had to handle that weekend. Um, so, you know, you TO'd a bunch of major tournaments, almost all of them at this point. Um, what would you consider to be some of the, like, largest challenges that you face as a, as a tournament organizer and, you know, as, as a head judge at these events? Um, so, I mean, finances are one, uh, you know, making sure that I can get there. Uh, how do I get a pallet full of terrain across the country? Um, and then how do I get it sent back to where it needs to go? Um, so that's, that's a big burden that happens behind the scenes. Um, and then also just set up and tear down is a lot. And so, you know, every once in a while I'm able to get some good help. Uh, and then other times I'm just in there with my ear, earbuds in. Uh, for however long it takes and and just setting it up by myself so um, you know that that's kind of logistically one of the one of the headaches that I have to deal with and then you know making sure that we have enough terrain for the number of players um, so knowing that we had smaller ticket sales I knew that I didn't have to prep and ship as much terrain uh, but if we had had larger numbers I would have needed to start sourcing terrain and you know contacting local stores or saying hey uh, Luke Cook, uh, while you're crossing the border, can you please bring a couple of tables to Toronto? Um, you know, so so things like that kind of go into setting it up. Um, and that's, I mean, I think that's one of the things that sets this apart from any other game that FFG does is, is just the amount of extra that has to go into running an event. Um, but as far as questions, man, it's always cover. It's always line of sight. It's always range. Those are... Those are the big ones, um, and then and then you know usual just interactions. Hey, how does this work? What's the timing on this? But you know most of the judge calls are are just almost always you know somebody doesn't have the ability or desire to go check it or argue it, and so that's my job to solve that. Um, how do you go about identifying tables and organizing? Uh, all of the tables into themes and essentially making sure that you have enough terrain individually for each table. 
Um, so back originally when I started, I started making Google Docs and spreadsheets. And um, one of the things that I learned with you at uh, Las Vegas Open was um, you should know what color mat needs to be on what table before you get there. Because when you start pulling things out and saying, oh, I assigned a lava table here, but but you don't have a mat color ready for that, um, that really stunk. Like, I don't remember how many extra, like, we probably lost at least an hour just trying to figure that out the first time. Um, so I got smart and started figuring out, you know, like, table one is going to be Mustafar. We're going to have a lava mat on it, and we're going to put the lava terrain on it. Um, and so a lot of that I prep and I have a cheat sheet that um, either it's either a note on my phone or I'll print a physical one out and then that way I can show it to other people if people are helping me out um, and just being prepared for that matters so much because um, otherwise otherwise you end up setting up terrain for four hours and nobody wants to do that um, so yeah it's just little little cheat sheets that you can use to cut cut corners so you actually have a plan for each specific table, not only what type of terrain it's is going to be on it, but where specifically that terrain is coming from and who it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, like, I even have shorthand notes. So, like, uh, one of my favorite shorthand notes is John Snow, uh, and it's John Bushman's snow table. And so, um, I just I have mental head head notes there. Um, you know, previously it was Brendan Scarif, and now it's uh, it's Scarif Beach Resort for Critical X because we have the Critical X headquarters building that goes on that table now. Um, so you know, I just I keep notes for that, and so like I've you know I'll have two tables with big Tatooine buildings. Um, you know, if, if War Corgi is bringing a table, I'll say two tables from War Corgi, and and I'll know what color mat that I need to have ready for him if he's bringing that in. Um, and that's the, it's the only way to keep sane and organized because when you show up and other people are bringing you terrain too, um, they're going to look to you for direction if you're in charge. And so I need to be able to give people answers. Um, so, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, getting, gathering the terrain for the event and, and the tables. Um, could you talk a little bit about, you know, what is, what is your day look like in, in one of these events as an organizer kind of from the time you get up to the time that you either tear down and go home or, or or the day's you know over and you go back to the hotel man uh that's a great question so like usually my plan is uh i'm usually traveling by air uh now that i've learned that driving across the country is not as much fun as it sounds like um <laughs> and uh uh, it, it was actually a good time, but unrealistic. But so, so I, I try to get an early flight uh, coming in, and I try and get a late flight going out. Um, and so, if I'll show up and end up with, you know, I I want to get there maybe about noon, um, and then kind of recon the room, meet whoever the event hosts are. Um, so, so whatever you know, company or group is putting on the show, I want to meet them. Um, you know, show me the room, show me. Where is registration, right? Like where are players gonna go and try and find a, to get their badge? Um, so I can, I'm, I'm usually the first one there. So I'm the one in Discord or, or Facebook saying, hey, here's where you get your badge. Here's where you go to the room. Um, because in my case, it's probably my first time being in that venue. And for a lot of other people, it probably is too. So I, I spend that time, you know, hey, where's the prize support kit, right? Like um, people are gonna wanna have prizes. So I gotta go track that down. Um, and then, you know, if I ship my terrain in, where's my terrain? Um, and so, 
then once I've got that done, it's all right, where's my TO table going to be? Where's, you know, where, where do I want to set up tables and, and kind of prioritize? And then, and then it's just a matter of getting the mats on the tables. And then usually most of the boxes are packed in such a way where I can set a box near a table and we can say, okay, pull everything out of that and put it on the table or pull most of it out and set that up. Um, and so I spend however many hours that takes setting up tables and then hopefully I'm done by like dinner time and then, you know, maybe, maybe get dinner with somebody before the event. If I can, if not, I'm just going to eat by myself and go to my room and, you know, get a shower in, try and sleep because I'm probably shifting schedules and I don't sleep so good anyway. Um, and then like 6.45, wake up the next morning, get some breakfast and be the first one in the room because I usually open the doors by eight. Um, so that's just like, that's a quiet me time or, you know, maybe if I bump into somebody, I'll eat with them. But like, like just kind of getting in that headspace of like, you got to put a show on today. Um, and I used to do that with Boy Scouts and other stuff. So, um, I'm kind of comfort, comfortable with that zone of like, all right, we got a big show today, you know, let's get excited, let's get ready. And, um, and then, you know, be ready when, when people are showing up cause they're looking to you, like you set that tone for how excited or, or enthusiastic you are. Um, and so just being ready to answer questions and, and deal with anything from, from a real simple problem to, oh my gosh, how is the event going to go forward? Uh, you know, if, if we don't solve this, so uh, it's just putting, putting that problem out as we go. And then it's an all day, like I don't get a lunch break because we usually do paint judging during lunch. So I, eat when I can and how I can. Um, sometimes I bring snacks if I can. Um, and then my first real meal of the day is probably dinner after, after everything's wrapped for the evening. Um, and I just rinse and repeat until we're ready to take off. And then, so whatever the closing day is, I try and get a, a late flight out. And, um, you know, as soon as we can wrap that event, I'm trying to get everything back in the boxes and, and back on the pallet and wrapped and, and ready to roll. So it's, um, it's a rigmarole status now though. Like I've done it enough where it just rinse and repeat and, and, and learn from, learn from previous mistakes and try and correct them in the future. You know, um, when you're actually setting up like a specific table, um, what yeah. do you look to do as far as the location of specific terrain pieces? What would you consider to be like a good mix of area terrain and line of sight blockers um, are there any general rules that you use as far as where to where to put certain types of pieces and where not to put certain types of pieces yeah and that's always a learning process um and i actually at this past one i was working with with uh brad nerfley and shot a little quick video and i think i think it'd be really cool to get some videos of like like he builds tables i build tables we build tables completely differently um but for me, I've, I've set these up enough times where I kind of know what my big things are, what my little things are. Um, you know, I might call it like a Luke Hill or a, a Boba Hill, um, you know, so a height one, height two issue. Um, and I always like to, um, you know, I like to make sure that if I, if I get down at eye level, left to right, um, I want a couple of firing holes, you know, that maybe might go across the board. Um, but I try to minimize that. Um, and I always try to, uh, if I can, I try to not elevate the center. Um, 
on, I would say, 95% or more of the tables. Um, every once in a while, I like to throw a monkey wrench on the boards um, and, and kind of make something a little bit imbalanced or a little bit not fun. Um, and, and the goal there is that I want people to think about turn zero and I want people to think about how are you deploying? How is your opponent going to deploy? How is my list going to work for this table? How is my opponent's list going to work for this table? Um, and I like to throw one or two traps out there that if somebody's not paying attention, they might make that mistake. Um, and I think, I think in challenging people to be the better general, I think personally that's important. Um, and I know um, there's definitely people out there who will disagree with me on that. So, um, you know, I, I try to be respectful of that and make it not the norm, but I do like to throw one in now and then. Um, but I like to make sure that, you know, long-wise from, from my bottom right to my far left, um, you know, you know that you're not going to have firing lines there. That, that deals with what uh, advanced positions, major offensive deployments like that. Um, and also be mindful of, you know, how is battle lines going to look? How is long march going to look? Uh, long march is kind of hard at some of these cons because um, you can't necessarily access the other side of the board so well. Um, so I try to be mindful of that a little bit. Um, but ultimately, if somebody chooses that deployment, it's on them. Um, and I try and be mindful of that as well as like if players don't have access to all four board edges, um, is this just going to be a royal pain to play on? And I try to keep that in mind as well, because that's not something you can do that online, but you can't do that in person. Um, so, I mean, really, I, I like to uh, I like to have opposites. So, like sometimes I like to have a donut hole in the middle and and a kill zone where people are going to have a bad time if they run in the middle. And then other times I want people to be able to bunker down in the middle and, and fight outward. Um, but I like to have that variety because I randomize table numbers. So. Um, in all, it's it's a it's a sum of all the parts of all the tables, not necessarily just the one table I'm looking at. So you just wrapped up Warfare Weekend. Um, uh, let's uh, let's talk about you know judging that event. Um, I'd like to know uh, what were some of the most common rules questions at Warfare this weekend. Um, well, we had the big detachment one. Uh, did you guys get a chance to see that picture? Uh, are you referring to a picture where there is a mortar on top of a cliff? Yeah, yeah, way up high. Um, and outside its deployment zone, too. So, um, you know, that one was a big hot topic. Um, and, and so, um, you know, that was a that was a question of, hey, is this working the way that, you know, the way that they want it? And um, I ended up getting a reply back from from Luke and Alex. And they said, Yep, that's exactly how the work the, the rules work rules is written. So, um, you know, confirmation there. Um, you know that yes that was a legal deployment and, and the right call was made on the field um i think it's an extreme example but um you know so that was legal uh it i don't think it ultimately played too much on that particular game but um you know a lot of the rules were really just um a lot of cover line of sight checks and um you know people people just didn't necessarily have the angle they were looking for um, and so, yes, yes, that's cover. No, that's not cover. Um, I actually had a group of players that didn't quite understand how elevated terrain works with regards to cover. 
Um, so I had to, had to work with them a little bit and um, use that as a, as a teaching opportunity. Um, and they were really receptive to it. They just didn't know that that's how that worked or, or understood it. Um, and their local playgroup had kind of developed a play style that was different than that. So um, we had to work to make sure that everybody was playing on the same playing field and the same rules. Um, so that was definitely interesting. Uh, was there a standout moment for you as a judge? Like, what was a was there an impactful call that you had to make that really stood out to you? Nothing too much, um, and I try to kind of pull myself away from a lot of the games so I don't get invested in them too much. Because when I come over to the table, um, say Mike and Kyle are playing, um, I almost don't want to know who's playing what, so that when I make the call, whether it's line of sight or cover or whatever. I don't even know who it's in favor of. I'm just making a rule based on the units that are in play. Um, so I, I try to almost stay detached from that a little bit. Um, but I don't think anything was too particularly swingy. Um, I did get to see four Tauntauns based General Grievous, though, so that was pretty neat. How many times did you have to explain the creature trooper rules to somebody? A few. A few. And actually, I think emplacement troopers were um, were also kind of impactful too because um you know whether or not you could move through emplacement troopers um and then also how displacement works because we dealt with obviously some displacement and cover um so just walking people through those steps uh, was was pretty important making sure especially if you displace the unit leader that that's you know fixed and put back on the board correctly so what's your next project is that uh las vegas open in january Yep. Uh, and, and to say that that's my next project, um, I'm at the same time working on Worlds already, um, having conversations with Adepticon and with Fantasy Flight as well for that to run Worlds. So um, it, it's always multiple projects at the same time, almost. Um, there isn't really any downtime, but I am done for the year calendar-wise. Um, I have no more tournaments. I have a prime at the beginning of January and then LVO at the end of January and then Worlds at the end of March. So those are my next big three. Yeah, LVO is going to be a blast. It was uh, super fun last last year. Um, so It's going to be big bomb. I mean, the amount of logistics that we have to prep that. Um, you know, I, I own or have access to about 18 tables, and we're going to need 48. So the question is, where are those other 30 coming from? Um, and so coordinating, talking about, you know, talking to the locals, uh, figuring out who's going to be attending, who can bring what. We've got the terrain competition that's going to be going down, uh, and there's going to be some prizes for that. Um, so that's great. Um, I think that was a fifth trooper sponsored one. Edit that out if you need to. Nope, no, Jay's nodding his head. That is accurate. So, um, so yeah, that's, uh, uh, you know, we, we definitely appreciate the sponsorship there that, that drives the, you know, the incentive for people to participate. Um, and I, I, it's really fun to see what people have developed themselves because of course I look at my terrain all the time. I've been to all these events, uh, a number of people, you know, I like to keep the, the variety going. So, um, having these guest people bring terrain from their local community is, is really fun to see, um, as well. So, um, yeah, 40, 48 tables when we're at capacity, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> so. If someone listening to the show right now has a table and they want to get a hold of you, how could they do that? 
Um, so LJ posted the um, the link, and I'm pulling it up right now while we are live. I did not have that ready to rock. Um, so we have it's LVO Legion Event at gmail.com, and we need uh, your name, the name of the table. So like what you referred to it when I said John Snow or uh, Critical X Beach Resort. Um, you know, something like that that we can kind of refer to it on shorthand. Uh, we need about four to seven pictures of the table and a short description. Um, and so what we'll be doing is um, that's available until the 15th of December. Once that's done, um, we'll have some winners and some people um, to bring in some, some finalists that we'd like um, and have people bring their tables in for the event. Um, so uh, we definitely... We, we did that with Adepticon, and it was really successful. Um, some of that final terrain layout will still be, you know, pending approval from, from LJ and I. Um, so if we need to adjust something around for play balance, we might do that. Um, but for the most part, we like, to we like to mostly let people kind of do their usual layouts or, or whatever they think is fun for that particular table. Um, but with respect to the competition, we want to make sure that it's, a, you know, somewhat fair fair board for everybody at playing as well awesome well it should be a good time we're looking forward to it and uh you run pretty much yeah sorry and go ahead everybody everybody here is gonna make it anybody not gonna make um it? uh i'm planning on be there being there right now i still gotta book my flight but yeah i am presently not planning on making it unless uh something strange happens it was that or adepticon and i'm gonna choose adepticon so um <laughs> I'm sad I won't have my Rebel Trooper judge. Yeah. I, uh, um, are you going to wear your Imperial Officer uniform again? Heck no. I might. <laughs> Maybe with different boots. Not. I don't want another scar on the leg. <laughs> um, no, uh, again, uh, uh, obviously I got to meet everybody here last year, and that was great. And I think we we buried a few hatches hatchets that weekend, so that was a, a great time yep. to meet up and... and um, and get to know everybody a little more personally and not just a person on the internet. Um, and, uh, again, really appreciated your help in particular, Kyle, um, and, um, you know, Jay helping out sponsoring and, and setting up. And I think, uh, everybody here helped tear down when we hit that critical mass last year, uh, when, when, uh, we had to get everything out of that room. So, um, I don't forget things like that and people who helped me out. And I just wanted to say on the air, I really appreciate you guys helping make that happen yeah thanks it was it was definitely a great um you know i think that was the first like major legion tournament besides nova and gen con and it it, it was definitely like sort of a coalescing uh, kind of tournament for the legion community so um yeah it was a great yeah. time and uh should be another great time this year so yeah hopefully we can get a courier to take all the terrain out of yeah this year. i don't know it's kind of exciting yeah. Yep. Hey, that's what we do, though, right? We just encounter a problem and we fix it, and hopefully nobody ever sees smoke. But. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, man. Um, so, when's the next Critical X episode going to be out? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, about that. So, we've broken up two times since we broke up last, and uh, I don't know. Uh, spoiler alert, we, we may have recorded it. Oh, wow. All right. I'm excited. Oh, boy. Yeah, breaking news. You heard it here. <laughs> uh, 
we'll see if it we'll see if it ever he, it actually hits anybody's ears though right so just because it was recorded doesn't mean anybody will ever hear it so. all right well thanks man um yeah, thanks for coming on guys have, have a good one so that was mr france and uh we will look forward to seeing him at las vegas open which should be a blast um you guys got any final thoughts Um, you know, maybe maybe we need to get Brendan to TO an event at a horse farm. Tell me, man. Once you do it once, you'll never go back. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty like I mean that sounds pretty pretty exciting, actually. I'm I'm hoping I'm not banking on there being an event at a horse farm in the DC area, but uh you know. I don't know. I I think that that's not completely outside the realm of possibilities there's a lot of horse farms in like mclean and you know southern the the like area in maryland that's north of the city that's true we could make it happen i'm sure i can pull some strings i know some. <laughs> you know some horse, know farm some horse people yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but other than that no i do not have any final thoughts other than scale and jump is busted and shouldn't be a thing uh yeah i mean in my defense the only time i did that the game was kind of over already uh i know it yeah you're right you in your defense the only time you did it was for rubbins you got it (laughs) moving on (laughs) something like that um yeah all right well i gotta i gotta see if um my thought experiment on can jedi luke handle triple tauntauns by himself is going to work because i gotta face uh Master of the Force Luke on Friday, who's running that. Um, I know that we haven't talked about this, but I think I want to have a real serious hot take about whether Serve Your Master Well should even be in this game. Okay. That's, uh, that sounds like a good hot take for next week. I think that card is busted AF and shouldn't exist. I'm going to be frank. I think it's I think it's head and shoulders the best command card in the game right now. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think General Kenobi is a pretty close second. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's close. It's no, I don't okay. think it's, it's really giving your entire army hit surge hit and surge block for a turn is is close to that. Okay, that's fair. Uh, the thing is, serve your master is like. Weird. Is like here, my death troopers are gonna delete your your like, it's it's uninteractive. Yeah, and yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. But yeah, we will. Yeah, but I, I, the next I, episode I, I, but, I but, think but, I see where you're heading. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely it's definitely anyway. very it has a very unique effect that no nothing else does at the moment. Yeah, that's definitely true. On on a on a piece that is already very close to the best piece in the game, and that as soon as the conditions are met, you can do nothing to stop it. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. But anyways, that's a teaser for what yeah. we'll talk about next week. Right. More next week. <laughs> so we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And that's Evan, who also joined us this week. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks for letting me on, guys. I like your podcast. I listen to it all the time. <laughs> I, like, I like yours too, man. Oh, thanks. All right. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Join us next week for another episode of The Notorious Scoundrels. 
This has been a Fifth Trooper production.